Welcome to the Port Sweet Orchestra podcast. I'm your conductor, Barry Stone. On the pod, I'm thrilled to have Anna Trevino join us. This episode continues our series of conversations with artists participating in the Vast is the Sea exhibition, which is a series curated by Port Sweet Orchestra, which consists of eight presentations from artists whose diverse works are united by their explorations of images, sound, and community, presented by Colab Projects in Austin, Texas. Ana Trevino presented a video entitled Migration Stories on January 27, 2024. Fast of the Sea is supported in part by grants from the Cultural Arts Division of the City of Austin Economic Development Department, the Texas Commission of the Arts, the National Endowment for the Arts, and HEB. But before I get into our conversation with Anna, I should tell you that Portswing Orchestra is an art project that pairs music recorded outside with images made on site, performed and recorded at home and away, solo and with others. Our orchestra is comprised of birds, guitars, artists, poets, and passing cars that spontaneously create ephemeral, symphonic, chance-inspired composition. The original site and hub for all things PSO can be found at portswingorchestra.org. In addition to buying tickets, you can support PSO by subscribing and giving five stars of the podcast, following our feeds on Spotify and YouTube, or buying merch and recordings on Bandcamp. We have a brand new album, pressed a CD, collecting PSO's second year of pieces, called Second Season, and each CD even comes with a digital download. Ana Trevino is a visual artist and educator living and working in Austin. Her practice bends the rules of filmmaking and is informed by cultural histories. She uses a feminist lens to think about the concept of borders, whether visible, invisible, or blurred. Her connection to the U.S.-Mexico border deeply influences her work and the stories she engages with. Through video installation and performance, she explores how she can reinvent subjugated narratives. Her most recent work involves deconstructing and analyzing the mother figure in media, literature, and art. She has been invited to lecture the Capstone Lecture Series at Eastern Washington University, led graduate workshops at the University of Texas at Austin, and worked with underrepresented youth in the greater Austin area. Her writing has been published in Gender, Sexuality, Italy, a peer-reviewed journal focusing on gendered identities. Films she has collaborated, collaborated in have screened at Sundance Film Festival and South by Southwest. She received her MFA in Art and Technology from the University of Florida and a BS in Television and Film Production for the Florida International University. Trevino most recently presented work as a part of a two-person show with Christine Garvey entitled Motherload at the Flex Gallery at Texas State University. Trevino is, is working on a music video with Austin musical artist Pam Reyes, which will be released in March to coincide with Reyes' album release. Trevino is also working on a video exploring how mothers are represented in cinema. Lastly, Trevino has been collecting data from a survey she made for mothers to share their thoughts on identity, invisible labor, and media representation. Anna and I talk about the making of her video, the challenges of creating work while parenting, Peg Bundy, and among other many other topics. After our conversation, we'll hear a few stories excerpted from the Migration Stories video. You can see more of Anna's work at AnnaTrevino.net. And now, here's my conversation with Anna Trevino. All right. Anna Trevino, welcome to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. Thank you for having me. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, Anna uh, presented um, a video um, at the Collab Space as a part of the Vast is the Sea um, series. 
and uh, called Migration Stories. And so we want to kind of get into just like what that was, what was the genesis of that, and um, just tell us about that, 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 that experience and what that piece was about. Yeah, so that piece um, was a was something for well, it became an opportunity for me to be able to collaborate with a colleague, of both of ours, Mark Menhivar. Um, but initially, I was um, asked uh, to produce a workshop with people in Austin, so the Austin community, on the theme of migration. My background, especially during graduate school, was a lot of research based on migration and my own experience um, growing up in the U.S.-Mexico border. So I had not been making work about those themes. And when this came into my lap, I was like, this is a really great opportunity for me to think about what migration means to me today, what it means in the world, what it means in the context of living close to the U.S. and Mexico border. Um, so the contemporary Austin were the ones that approached me um, to see if I can do some kind of workshop that entails video. It's the medium that I mostly work in. Um, so it was an exciting opportunity for me to do this. And when I was thinking of migration, the first person that came to mind was Mark Menhivar. So I asked him, I'm like, hey, would, we've always tried to figure out a way that we could collaborate because we're both fond of each other's practices. So this was like a great opportunity for us to do that. So we joined forces and last September, we were able to do this uh, one day workshop where we both facilitated, I think it was a group of eight participants that came to the workshop and everyone had to bring a relic with them mm. that migrated in some way and was part of like uh, like family of their family lore or something that connected with them but migrated so this was kind of the centerpiece of where the stories um were kind of taken from and how people related with these objects with these specific objects that that traveled and were part of their family history so during the workshop, everyone was able to share those stories. We were able to kind of navigate what are some visuals that would be a good response and how can these objects be put into like, or how can we weave it into the story of not only the person, but also what that object means to them. So I have a, a, a bunch of questions. Uh, one is, so it was a workshop at the Contemporary Austin Laguna Gloria, which is kind of the backdrop you know, mm -hmm. for the for the video. First question is, where did the folks come from? Did they just, you know, did did the contemporary just like list this as a as a workshop that anybody could take that and um and then people just signed up? Is that how it worked? Yes, that's how it worked. So we were promoting this workshop um I think a month for a month. Um and then like doing email blasts and then you know putting it out through our own social media accounts uh, to get people to participate. Um, so yeah, that the group that we ended up with were all people that were interested in in storytelling and interested in in you know um, working collaboratively with us and with others. Right. So th that's interesting though because it wasn't you know part of an institution like the contemporaries like not you know doesn't have a you know an outreach group or something like that. So there's a kind of a, a, a kind of a nice sort of a randomizing or almost a sort of a chance operation. Although you're you know, of course, you're promoting, there's a certain, you know, person is going to be looking at the contemporary art, you know, uh, for art classes and all that kind of business. But it does speak to also like the variety of, of, of stories that were, were shown and shared um, in, in the video, right? Uh, so then my other question is, how long was the workshop? Was it, you know, one day? Was it several days? How, how did that work? So it was one day, but well, I think... That's insane. It, 
Yeah. So we, yeah, we calculated and it was, you know, it was an unknown of how big our group was going to be because, you know, a few days prior we had maybe four and then the day before more people signed up like last minute. So we were like, well, we have to work with what we have. In hindsight, this would have been an awesome workshop had it been two days, but I'm even impressed with like what the outcome was with, with just eight hours. Yeah, so I just want to I just want to sort of ex- try to explain what's happening and what happened, if you will, with the, what the video looks like in some ways. It's a lot of individual vignettes, right, where a person is telling a story about this object and how it relates to their migration story. Uh, which I should also mention that that Mark Minyavar has a a long practice of collecting migration stories, which have been collected in a series of books, um, that they are also stories that he records. He's he's kind of activated that large umbrella of ideas over the years. We see in in Laguna Gloria, it's a beautiful and kind of quirky house that looks like a castle, but vaguely Spanish, (laughs) vaguely, you know, European, uh, but it's right on the shore of, of, uh, of Lake Travis or Lady Bird Lake. You know, there's a lot of land there. There's a lot of uh, sculptures there. There's a lot of uh, plant life and nature. You know, each story takes place with that as its backdrop, which you just, you don't see the contemporary. You just see this beautiful, you had wonderful weather, a wonderful light as one day, a magical light that's coming through the sort of the canopy and and what have you. And it's just remarkable. And one day you heard everybody's story, figured out where you're going to film it, filmed it, and then put it together in this way that it, you know, and of course this is a testament to your editing as well. And, and you and Mark's attention to sort of story and, you know, and, and, and I think shaping that narrative, which is another question, like how, how much of that was going on into this sort of uh, really beautiful and um, very purposeful collection of stories. So the, all the more remarkable that it is one day, because I could definitely see it being like over six weeks. You know what I mean? Like each yeah. day you talk about one, how are we going to do this? But they show up with their uh, item. And then, so what happens then? There's a negotiation there. How many? How 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 are you guys involved in sort of shaping their narrative? Because that's not easy for people just to come in and say something very, you know, this is an an important part of their lives and all this kind of stuff. There's a lot of you know things that. How do you do that? Yeah, I I um I think just facilitating or trying to facilitate a space of trust right away is kind of the first step. Like when we circled up, we put chairs in a circle, everybody was facing one another. Mm. I shared my story first, Mark shared his story. So we're kind of setting the tone of like people being able to connect with us and connect our stories and then be willing and vulnerable to share their own. So I, I think setting up an environment where we can have these people that are, we're all a group of strangers, right? Essentially we're meeting yeah. for the first time and we're bringing a, a big part of ourselves into the space. Um, but I also think we got very lucky with the people that, that engaged, right? Like some, their stories were remarkable. The objects that they they brought were great. And I, you know, when, when, when we were done, when, you know, everyone left me and Mark stayed talking and we're like, it was pretty incredible the 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 people that came in but i think locking down and and creating that sense of trust with sharing our stories first i think was a good first step to get everybody kind of on the same page and to get comfortable to to bring their stories to us and they read it i mean they or they 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 enunciate it's their voice 
it's their voice their yeah so, so yeah so as we went along um we kind of pinpointed the things that were of importance that they knew that they wanted to bring into the project and there we kind of jotted down some notes and some things that would help facilitate them to go off on their own and then start writing these scripts um and writing these monologues um themselves um and then mark and i would jump around and kind of check on them and make sure, you know, if they had any questions. Uh, but a lot of this was just just remarkable storytellers, just remarkable storytellers that they brought in just such rich, rich words and rich stories. We, yeah, like I said, we just were very fortunate with the people that, 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 that worked with us. That's, that's, that's amazing. Well, I wonder also, there's a couple of questions just thinking about like this, such, a, such an amazing framework and you can see this, you know, being like a series, you know, you know, where you would do this in different places. I mean, Mark does that too. You know, it seems like mm -hmm. anytime he has, you know, he's all over the place all the time, you know, because he's, yeah. he's a pretty active artist. He's always like, seems like he's always scheduling in some migration stories. You know, what I mean? <laughs> um, you know, he's always got a lot of, a lot of irons in the fire, but is that something that you're interested in or the possibility, you know, maybe, of course, you could do it at the contemporary again, but it'd be really interesting to do it other places, maybe, you know, closer to the border or, you know, Arizona or California or, you know, Europe, who mm -hmm. knows? Um, uh, what do you, any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I think I think just uh, out of this experience, it's you know, it's always an unknown when you're participating with people that are not your your normal collaborators right that that they're they're new to you so it's it's kind of an unexpected when you go in and and hoping that something special will come out of it um but i think because this was such a positive experience and what came out of it was was so great uh i would definitely be be interested in going to to places especially i think um in communities where voices are not heard as often or where stories aren't heard as often and i think that's an important thing to kind of grasp um, and going to communities without like overstepping but allowing them to share just like we did with with this particular group it would be um a really great thing yeah this would be an uh this would be a great project to continue working on and, and to create a series of and, and yeah you know, i think i mean it's, it's it seems i mean everybody's busy and all that kind of business but it does seem like a no-brainer in some ways right i mean it just seems like mm -hmm there should be institutional support that that might be able to be mobilized to do something like this so is something like you know there's some models for like story core or something like that or what mm -hmm. have you but this is such this is such a really important part of uh, storytelling that, that that needs to really be told there's so much mythology around the border there's so much um vitriol around the border um of course we're going to see more of that you know, in the coming year, right? This election mm -hmm. year, it's the it's a pivotal um, issue um, being raised by force, and so we need counter narratives um, that are heartfelt, that are that are authentic, that are actually experienced. Um, so, I I hope uh, that 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 y'all because I have to say, you know this is evidence that you guys together created not only a sort of uh, field of trust but you were able to pinpoint these stories and that's part of being an artist right that is being recognizing what's going to communicate um and how to assemble that in a way that's going to be engaging for people who 
are just coming in cold, right? Which mm-hmm. a lot of our folks, you know, at Colab, I think didn't didn't know what was going to go on, and they were completely um, engaged and uh, immersed in this, and uh, people were just were blown away. Do you want to talk about the sort of the greater context? Um, of your of your work, and you do a lot of things. Uh, you've got a lot of a lot of stuff going on, but I think that family and, and motherhood are something that that is preoccupying um, not only your your life but your your work. Um, it, you you are in a a show a two person show at at Texas State that really explored those things. Just want to you know, hear what you're doing in in that area or anything really you want to talk about. But I was particularly sort of uh, intrigued by that. I remember seeing your little guy there at the at CoLab. And I do know that you know, being a working artist, teacher, mom, especially, these are roles that are, these are beautiful and all that, but very challenging for sure. So mm-hmm. can you speak to that and your interest there? Yeah, I think as a first time mom, I didn't, I, I knew that there was going to have to be like a halt in you know my artistic practice and like how much I would be able to engage in that but I didn't realize like how like how much I would miss that part of myself right Mm -hmm. to be able to fully engage in 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 my practice because I luckily was able to be home with my child so there was this like lingering frustration of being able to sit and to film and when filming takes a lot of space and a lot of time for planning and it's and it's and and my own particular practice is very collaborative so i'm always working with other people to make um to make my work um so to it's it's one thing to be able to navigate something when it's just you making it but it's very different when you're working with a team of people to help you make that happen so out of like just the frustration of not being able to do that i had to to kind of uh, give myself the space to fulfill that part of myself and that part of my identity without without being a good quote unquote good mom for my child so it was it's it and it's and it's still it's something that fluctuates right he's a little older now so i'm able to do a little more um but it's the work that i was making was this kind of lingering frustration of the mother usually takes the role the bigger role right at the, the first years of child rearing um so there I wanted to explore the, the mothers in my community or mothers that I didn't know and kind of start questioning or start start asking questions about how they felt about their own identity, about the the, the role of motherhood, um, and then the role of their either artistic practice or their career. So all of these things were kind of coming to mind. Uh, and then I started really thinking about how mothers are represented in media. And scaling back to when I was a child, who were the mothers that I saw that were represented? And most importantly, like, were they in the in the foreground or in the background, right? Mm-hmm. So that so I've always been thinking about those things. And then I started studying and researching the mothers that I saw growing up. So it was anywhere, anywhere from married with children to see that kind of, you know, she kind of was a strong force, you know, Mm -hmm. Peggy Bunny was a strong force there. So she was always like pretty remarkable to me because my mother was the same. She was like, she was the one that that ruled the household. Like everything my mom said was what what went, you know, (laughs) so kind of seeing that representation and remembering that representation and revisiting as an adult was interesting. 
Um, and then also mothers that are like very doting mothers. So Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers was another one that mm. was like this romanticized version of, of a mother <laughs> that is giving everything up to like be there for her children and love on her children. So I started really get, becoming very interested in that. And then I thought of like, what is what am I what type of mother am I going to be or what type of mother am I? You know, mm. what am I willing to give up for my child? Is it really giving something up or is this part of that new identity and that new role? Um, right. So I started making like performative work where I would like become the dream mother, the, the you know, the, the concept of the perfect mother, if that even exists. Right. Um, so, yeah, one of the one of the videos that I did over the last summer, this past summer, was a performative piece where I would become these mothers and then become myself so it was these these interesting transitions of like how does it feel to to be the you know the powerhouse and how does it feel to be the doting one and how does it feel to be me mm. and how does it feel to like get the rage out and the frustration out of of, of the things that come with it so that's the, those are the things that i'm like still figuring out and then putting into my practice and seeing how how i can you know um juggle all of all of those responsibilities that you have right so many roles right that we sort of uh, assume and uh, and especially mothers right who are both revered and ignored uh, mm -hmm. right at, at almost in the same moment in our in our culture um and in many cultures there's a lot of literature a lot of auto fiction i think that's come out you know thinking about mothers you know when you talk about that sort of the especially the, the artistic uh problem of, of parenthood and i do i do believe it is especially acute for for mothers you know i think of maggie nelson talking about i think it was in bluettes um and this is a this is actually a, a newsletter title that, that um, Emily Kramer, who is somebody that I, I played in a band with, uh, has a newsletter entitled Art Monster. And she she has this, you know, this yearning to be this complete art monster, uh, you know, that just, you know, throws the kid away, you know, or, you know and just like goes to the poetry readings or, you know, just does all this mm -hmm. like you know, seemingly indulgent behavior. And it, of course, it's not it's not possible uh, necessarily, right? I think about, you know, Justin Curlin, who's a photographer, you know, she has a, a, a show right now of, of some pictures that she took when she was a, a, a young mom with her first kid. And, uh, you know, they were, they really, you know, they really took a different turn. She, you know, she was in a van and they, they kind of had this alternative existence, you know, if you will, um, and then she started questioning whether, you know, who was that for? Was that, was that for her? Was that an mm -hmm. escape? You know, how did it expect, you know, how did it, um, affect their son and his sort of social development and all that kind of, it was like this sort of beautiful idyllic thing being in the landscape, but then what else are you sort of missing? And, um, you know, it is a, it's a, it is a, it is a crazy, a, a crazy negotiation to think about how to, how to do that and what you know we grow and we we become bigger people because of our because of that but then also time and time and space and money is limited mm -hmm. so how do you how do you figure how do you figure that out um, yeah. so what i want to ask too uh is is some practical things before i i just don't want to leave it out i don't want to forget 
how do we see, I know that that video you're talking about too is, I think it's on your website. Um, mm-hmm. And and what what is the website again? It's anatrevino.net. Yeah, .net. I couldn't remember mm-hmm. if it was a .net mm-hmm. or .org. So we're going to put that in the show notes. But then also, how can we see the the uh, migration stories? Is that, that's not, that was a screening and it was like brand new. Mm-hmm. Is there plans to make that sort of more public or where's that, where do you feel that's going to live? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think I'll put it up on my website for people to, to look at. Yeah. 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 I've already had the participants um, that were in it, like contact me because they want to see it too. So it'll definitely be going up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Great. That's awesome. I'm sure they do. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And I think we had a couple of folks um, at Collab, which I think was really special um, mm-hmm. for sure to see that. I mean, it, I mean, it's always really, I mean, what a, you know, it's a beautiful validation, um, right. To see collectively this story that's sort of produced in this, in this beautiful way. I mean, in some ways that's, that's what we're doing. We're trying to connect. We're trying to figure out who we are, um, and, and, and expand our Venn diagrams. Um, well, um, as we wrap up here, I do want to hear also about what what you got cooking. What's what's uh, what's next, or what are you thinking about in the upcoming? I don't know. Future, I guess, is what I'm looking for. Yeah, so I'm still continuing to do to work on researching motherhood and the mothers in my community. But something that I'm excited for is a music video that I that I shot with. Um, with a local artist called Pam Reyes. So she was actually one of the participants oh, in the wow. stories. And we connected there and she looked at my work. She emailed me. She's like, Anna, I had a really great experience in migration stories and I like your work. I don't know if you have time for this, but I'm, you know, I'm, she's going to be releasing an album and was interested in me possibly shooting it. Um, so we had a meeting and we connected really well. Um, and you know, her, her visual ideas were really strong and, um, it ended up, you know, it's something really special that came out of, of, of the migration stories. And where will we, um, where will we see that? That's still being, that's sort of in production, I assume. It's, right? Yeah, it's in the edit. It's in like the final stages of the edit. So we shot um, this past December um, at McKinney Falls, which was really nice. awesome. So yeah, we're just like f- doing the final touches on the edit. And then I know that she's going to be releasing sometime in March. So within the next month, that should be out. And that I'll, I'll probably have that up on my website as well. Oh yeah, that would be cool. It would be lovely to uh, connect with that and and the record release and and all that kind of business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's also a very different mode of of working um, from the other type of of video work that I make. The music videos is a whole other ballpark um have you but done I videos it. before music I, i've videos? done yeah i've done yeah. music videos before yeah not as much as i would like because i love doing them you really do you? yeah 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 i mean when i first like started thinking about video and like music my dream as a like a teen was like i want to be a music video director so nice. <laughs> it was the things that i always thought were like i have a big connection to music and then like making visuals from is really special so whenever i have the opportunity to work with someone and it's usually always somebody in my community that approaches me to do it i'm like yeah let's do it this is super fun oh that's awesome yeah mm-hmm. I, I mean i love music videos too and it, you know it's, it's sort of interesting to think about like how that the music video has sort of morphed right like in the 80s when you know mtv right just changed the whole world and then mtv sort of imploded became like a reality tv show or whatever whatever it yeah. became and now 
videos, we're in this kind of wild moment, I think, about music videos, right? Because it's from the still, some people are doing like high production value business. You know, my colleague Jason Reed and I were like looking at these drones that were used to film this sort of hip hop video. It was like unbelievable, Uh uh, just crazy. But then there's also, you know, the very DIY stuff, Mm -hmm. right, that's happening, which I kind of love the most, honestly. Oh, yeah, me too. You know, (laughs) um, so it, you know, it's everybody's kind of got to make a video in some ways. So then it's sort of, you know, everybody's, I don't know, putting out whatever they can and different kinds of cameras and and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's super fun, fun to think about. So are there video directors that you like or or, are artists that you you're into or? I mean, the one that I like loved growing up was Chris Cunningham. That did like Apex twin videos and oh, like yeah, really yeah. Like weird, dark, yeah, crazy. Yeah, like yeah. those kind of things was that I was like super into growing up. And not, my work looks nothing like that, but it's like <laughs> those are well, the ones yeah, that I was course. like, yeah, those are the ones that I really love. Yeah, he, he was one that, that comes to mind that I really liked. Yeah. Oh, nice. But now I've been seeing like more like indie directors that I may not I need to like research more, but um, but that are making like really amazing um video work yeah so it's it's yeah. Uh, yeah sometimes at home like on a friday or saturday i'll just put youtube in and just start looking just start looking at like what music is out there what video work is out there and you see some amazing things that are that are coming out yeah no totally the sort of flip side of that you know everybody's a producer everybody's an artist everybody's a creator <laughs> um and we're sort of forced to do that or whatever but then uh, there's also a flip side of that that's kind of awesome it's sort of a you know the punk rock dream in some way that you are mm-hmm. you know owning your means of production but getting paid very little for it oh man anyway th- uh, this is a super uh, uh, just a pleasure to see the video and to get to know you and get to know your work a little bit too um is there anything else that we should we're gonna we're gonna look at your website uh trevino.net and uh, we'll put that in the show notes uh, and maybe some links to some specific videos. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll also hear some excerpts uh, from migration stories yeah. just after our interview. So is there anything else that, you know, you want to mention before we sign off? Um, not that I can think of, but yeah, I, I hopefully I can facilitate another migration story sometime this year here in Austin, just because it was so successful this past time that I would, I would love to do it again. I think, I think we would be richer for it. You know, let us know, reach out uh, when that's happening, again, All right. <laughs> when it happens again, or we'll, we'll, we'll do. definitely tune in. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. We collected buttons from your sewing room, like treasure hunters, vacationers gathering heart-shaped stones and seashells. I love your full belly, and your hips, and your hands, and your thoughts, the ones not allowed, your contraband daydreams, those ideas that feel like exploding universes, like freedom. We are cartographers map makers, gathering remnants, stitching enoughness together across space and time. We are creators of sacred place. You say, give me some sugar, and we kiss each other on the cheek. We are putting butterscotch candies in our palms, 
This is the adventure I am yearning for. I don't want to go without you. Our safe spaces are wrapped in newspaper. We put them in that tin next to the fried chicken and close the lid. We are going back and forward and in between. This is the adventure. You've made something for me. I'm making something for you. Goddess of the perfect and unfinished. Goddess of being and becoming. Sobrevivir. Geografía. Religión. Seguridad. Falta de descanso. Self-fulfillment. Self-worth. Bonding. Rest. Love. Lo desconocido. Secretos. Resistencia. Supervivencia. Fronteras. Lucha. Unaware. Knowledge. Opportunity. Freedom. Independent. Free. Dificultades. Desconexión. Nostalgia. Camino. Choque cultural. Historia. Alone. Breaking barriers. Exception. Lucky. Trailblazer. Distant. Growing up, my mother would sing to me. Ang buso kong magandang, mabangong, mabait at maputi. Ang anak kong magandang, mabangong, mabait at maputi. It's a lullaby that now, as an adult, I've realized is tinged with colonial hate. It says, My youngest, who is beautiful, who smells good, who is kind, and who is light-skinned. My child, who is beautiful, who smells good, who is kind, and who is light-skinned. These are other things she would often say growing up. I'm so proud of you. Will you sing for us tonight? What song will you sing for us tonight? I always wanted to play guitar, but your grandfather said it'd be a waste of time. When I think of my mother before our migration, I think of her as a businesswoman. One of her many endeavors was to buy, process, and distribute wood and lumber. And when I think of my mother and how she bought, processed, and sold wood and lumber, I feel pride and shame. Proud of her steadfast spirit and ashamed of the fallen trees. This is where misunderstanding creeps in. A clear indication of our disparate worlds. This is where instead of statements, I wish to switch to questions. What was it to fall large trees then? What was it to hire hands to help you? What was it to have employees and be the employer? What was it to become help when you arrived here? And as you say, magkusot ng anidoro. What is it taken to relinquish and transition to a position that defers to power and wealth? How have you considered your own transformation? How have you stayed true? What is your outlet for frustration? I assume frustration. 
the inevitable byproduct of capitalism and power and privilege and labor and time and the trade for money and the trade for food and the trade for leisure and the trade for shelter and the trade for enjoyment and for a residential green card and for citizenship. I call it trade and you called it sacrifice. Sacrificio. Purchased in Seattle, Washington in my Shonda Rhimes Year of Yes, this vegan and kosher dietary supplement is to alleviate my lactose intolerance. At 31 years of age, I have finally come to the conclusion that at least a portion of my gastrointestinal issues are due large in part to being lactose intolerant. I came out as lactose intolerant to my parents earlier this year, and like many other things, like depression, anxiety, or homosexuality, I was told that lactose intolerance was something made up that I couldn't possibly have. And yet, on the fateful night when my roomie, in having one of those not-so-good days, invited me to an impromptu and necessary ice cream run, the Oreo cookie milkshake at Jack in the Box in Watts, California, proved that much like my family's history of anxiety, depression, issues with addiction, being lactose intolerant wasn't something I could just snap out of. That in our many moves from rural areas of San Jerónimo, Michoacán, y Santa Teresa, Guerrero, hasta el centro de Los Ángeles, the San Gabriel Valley, New Braunfels, Texas, Leon Valley, to San Antonio, Texas, that my lactose intolerance had migrated with us and been part of our family deep, deep down to our very DNA for some time. This little capsule ties me to my family and our genetics. Thanks for listening to the Port Swing Orchestra podcast. Vast of the Sea is a series of presentations and performances highlighting the interconnections between sound, image, and community held at CoLab Projects in Austin, Texas. Following my conversation with Ana Trevino, a participating artist, we heard a few excerpts from her video presentation of Migration Stories. Vast of the Sea is supported, in part, by grants from the Cultural Arts Division of the City of Austin's Economic Development Department, the Texas Commission on the Arts, the National Endowment for the Arts, and HEB, 